0: <laughs> you can do it during that too, you know. If I make a good point, yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> there, yeah, it's in it's in the office. Yeah. Oh, a mallet. I should should I should bring that down. Gotta use it. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, yeah, eleven forty-five. Um, de- depending, maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll go to twelve. I mean, all right. All right, let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Dear Lord, you have from the beginning of time planned for your Son to be crucified for our sakes. Knowing that we would fall and knowing that we would rise again through him, we ask that you would teach us continually through your word, amen. All right, well, so we've got past chapter 9. Uh, knowing that we are in a heavenly sanctuary with the testament of Jesus. Um, Again, uh, it's good to remember this idea of a testament. Uh, This is in chapter 9, uh, verse 16. Where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. So uh, every time then you hear this New Testament or the Second Testament Uh, This is the death of Jesus that makes it effective, Uh, and it means that when we speak the words of promise, when I speak them as your pastor or when you speak them to those around you, their power is derived from the death of Jesus. It's actually his physical death on the cross uh, that is the power of God to forgive sins. So then, how do we live in this? Uh, we're we're going to uh, dig a little deeper today in chapter 10, uh, and we're going to see what it's like to live in this faith. Jesus died for us. Why is that so important? How do we uh, live in faith? All right, so chapter 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So what then is the difference between the shadow and the thing itself? Right. Again, you know, uh, this is the... why well, kids love doing this, right? You know, they step on your shadow and, and, and they say, yeah, yeah, I crushed you, you know? But they didn't really... Because why?
1: One one is
0: physical and one is just a reflection. Well, one. Well, I mean, yes. One is physical and one's the the reflection. Um, so if I if I do things like, for instance, you know, when you make the shadows on the wall, right? You know, everyone's done that. Um, I think. And if you haven't, you know, you should do it. Um, but uh, but if I smash the thing on the wall, why doesn't it hurt you? What? So if I'm making the bird or I'm making some dog, you know, on the wall and you hit that on the wall, why doesn't it hurt you? It's not you! you! And that is, again, sometimes we overcomplicate the Bible. That's what he's saying. How can the shadow do the perfecting? No matter how many goats you sacrifice, it's not going to give you forgiveness. Because there were always a shadow. What is the real thing? Coke. Coke? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Pepsi's a shadow. No. What's the real thing? Or Diet Coke? Is that, a, is that an attack on Diet Coke? No, okay. Um, Jesus is the real thing. That's right. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So then, uh, what was the power of the shadows in the Old Testament? To show us the sheep. That's right. They showed us who was coming. Uh, Again, one of the best explanations. Well, I I, I might as well just read it. Why not? Um, So uh, this is in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, if you'd like to look at it, but I'll read it for you. Um, uh, Hold on. Let me grab the verse. Um, Okay, uh, verse 10. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time The spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So what were the prophets doing in the Old Testament? They were searching diligently of the grace that would come to you. So they were searching for what? Who were they searching for? Jesus the whole time. This is all the prophets. Um, To them it was revealed. So this is verse 12. To them, that is, so the prophets in the Old Testament, to them it was revealed. Not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you. So they were not in their time seeing it happen. Because they were for our benefit, knowing that this is Jesus, they were pointing forwards. So we have a testament in in the old saying all the shadows, all the things you saw were pointing to Jesus. And so they did have the same faith as us. All the prophets believed Jesus based on the shadows. They saw them and they knew that's pointing to Jesus. But again, a shadow can't save you. Uh, shadow is not the thing itself. But now the thing itself has come, namely Jesus and his death. Okay, verse 2. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? So he's going back to the perpetual offering of uh, the lambs. Would they not have ceased to be offered if they made you perfect? For the worshippers, once purged, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So, none of the sacrifices in the Old Testament forgave sins. That's a strange thing. Why
1: not? Why not?
0: Yes, right? The law can't make anyone perfect. That's part of it.
2: And that's why Jesus had to him. He was the only perfect.
0: So if the law could make people perfect, would the blood of bulls and goats make them perfect?
1: No. If the
0: law <laughs> Yeah, if the law could make them perfect. Okay. Then they wouldn't eat. Can the blood of animals purge anyone from sin? No. No, no. right? <clears throat> Uh, so again, the the reason why blood is being shed is why? Why were these bulls being sacrificed? Their throats were being slit. Why? Yeah, to show Jesus. And why did Jesus come? To be sacrificed to shed blood, right? Um, so going to the blood of bulls and goats. Uh, you, you sort of got it. Why, why can't it make you holy? They're not good enough. They're not good enough? Well, they, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good response, yeah. Yeah, because their blood isn't able to do that kind of thing. Um, only the sacrifice of Jesus is accepted as the actual punishment for our sins. So it wasn't the bull that was punished for our sins although he's wrapped up in it as a shadow. But it's Jesus. And so, how then did they get forgiveness in the Old Testament? Yeah. Through the promise. Through the promise. That's it. And they look to who? Jesus. It's still Jesus. And and again, this is why I love it, and I, I'll bring it up ad nauseum, but Behold, the Lamb of God. It's Jesus. It's always Him. It's always been Him. Um, the moment that He made the promise to Adam and Eve uh, by saying, uh, "A seed of a woman will crush your head, and He will bruise your heel," right? <clears throat> okay, so it's always Jesus. His blood is the only one that cleanses. Um, although, what was again? What was the value then of the sacrifices? What was their purpose? Dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, all right. They had to eat. (laughs) It enhanced their
2: anticipation. Yes. Continued search.
0: Yeah. It enhanced their anticipation. And uh, there's another obvious one. To make
2: atonement sort of, I mean, it had a
0: purpose, right? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Why did it have a purpose? Why were they doing it? God told them to right it's got value God said it but you're right it was it was pointing to the atonement um, and God of course is teaching them through this that this blood is required you do this so that you know a promise is coming um, and and you' in their faith in God was then their atonement
1: I'm just curious, uh, when you were talking about the, the blood cannot be uh, uh, perfected, uh,
0: was it because the sacrifices that
2: were made were just temporary up to that point and then people as a rule would sin more, whereas Jesus' death on the cross uh, atoned for sins past, present and future?
0: I think, yeah, I think they're sort of getting at that here where uh, they're sort sort of, okay, well, why do we keep on sacrificing? Because they, you know, they keep keep on on sinning, right? right. Um, So yeah, I think that's part of it, yeah.
1: Another nice aspect of the shadow too is that Unless you're Peter Pan, it's always connected to the real thing. So, yeah. So you know, if if you follow the shadow, you'd eventually get to the real thing. Yeah.
0: And and this is the great part. This is why Jesus rebukes the teachers. Right? They should have known. They should have known Jesus is coming. And that's why in First Peter it's so valuable to have that First Peter, uh, uh, where Peter says, "They figured out that it was you." It was for your benefit. They were always looking forward to Jesus. The prophets did not have. Uh, it wasn't that the, everything had been fulfilled in their time. Isaiah was pointing forward. Um, this is sort of a, a debate in the scholarly world. You know that, that all the scholars you know say, "Oh well, uh, you know it was fulfilled in their time." They didn't know that uh, that that it Jesus was coming. You know because when Isaiah prophesied, it all happened during his time. Untrue. And the Bible says that, right? Isaiah knew a servant was coming who would save him and all of Israel, and that included the Gentiles, because Israel would be the children of the promise. So yeah, the shadow, if you follow the shadow, and this is the great thing, if you really read the Old Testament, where will it land you? No. you to Jesus. It points to Jesus. And, and again, Jesus, you know, you have the scriptures because you think that in them you have light. But it's me to which they bear witness. Okay, so all those things then um, are, they are valuable. This is God's plan. This is how he unfolded it. So you can't just throw out the Old Testament. Yeah. Wasn't the, uh, the schedule
2: of blood a constant
0: reminder, reminder, reminder to the people that they Yep. Yes, right. That, 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 uh, the sacrifice was repeated because the final one hadn't come yet. So a reminder of, the, of their sin, but also of the promise to be fulfilled. There's a reason why we have to keep doing this. Um, okay, so now we're jumping into... That's the shadow. Now we're jumping into the real thing. Verse 5 in chapter 10 of Hebrews. Therefore... When he, Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now this is, uh, what are the two things being compared? One is, one is the works, right? The sacrifices, you know, and the um, what is it? Burnt offerings and sacrifices. One of one the works, right? Or the, the Old Testament law, sacrifices. What's the other one? What's the other comparison? The death of Jesus. The death of Jesus, yeah, right? And, and what, what does he call it here? What is that what is that he does not because he doesn't say um, well I guess he does say the offering of the body of Jesus but but he says what about the offering of the body of Jesus it's his will, it's his will. so there's this living will of God and then there's the sacrifices um, and so you have this these opposed to each other the sacrifices you did not desire didn't have pleasure in them but Jesus coming to do the will of God is the substance of those things. So he takes away the first. So now those are gone. And the will of God in Jesus is established as the only way to have salvation.
1: It it always, it occurs to me in here too that the first covenant was a broken covenant. At Sinai they said, uh, all that the Lord has said we will do that's right God, he didn't. And, and again um, maybe I'm wrong in this but God can't remove the first covenant until it's fulfilled yeah and so how does Israel fulfill God's covenant as they promised to do on Mount Sinai it's only through Jesus reduced to a man Jew. there was actually a Jew that did all that God wanted him to do and that's what he's sort of bringing together here. the first covenant's fulfilled by him so that he can have a covenant of grace
0: yes uh, and and so going off of this, and, and this then is the point that God does not desire your activities with your body, but what does he actually desire from you?
1: The sincerity of the heart.
0: Your, your heart, and what is that called here? Faith? No? Your will. God desires your will. And what can we not give to God on our own? Our will. It is bound. We are bound in sin and we cannot love God from our hearts. And that's why their activities did nothing for them. That wasn't what saved them. Only Jesus can follow these things in perfection. And so the only one who could have kept that first testament... Is Jesus, and that's why it all pointed to this one who was to come, and so the will of the Father is that we would love Him from our hearts, and that we that our will would be His will. I, that's what we pray all the time. What do we pray? I will be done. There is the will, and so we don't want. So, what do we not want to be done? I don't <laughs> right and, and again sometimes we say these so often and it becomes sort of a okay yeah but, but do we really mean that we really want only God's will to be done because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God uh, because his will although it's always good may not be what we want because our wants aren't always what God wills because what do we have in us Yeah, and and the nature of sin is is rebellion against God so that going back to this this little section 5 to 10 you have two things you have outward actions and then you have the inward heart and we could not by our outward actions possibly make ourselves holy or make anyone else holy no matter how many sacrifices we did no matter how hard we tried we were cut off, and we could not climb to God or turn ourselves towards God. Um, lots of times when we think of sin, we only think of sins that are outward. Um, but what is the greatest sin? What? Rejecting Christ. Yeah. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. But that one, we just sort of like put aside, you know. But murder, that's really bad. But the source of murder and the source of all these other things are what? Breaking God's will. Are the first commandment. Because if we wanted to do what God wanted, we would never murder anybody, nor would we commit adultery, nor would we do any of those things. So to do God's will... That is the substance of things. But the great thing is, Jesus, in coming, shows us God's will in a different way. Uh, not just that he does it perfectly, and he does want that, but what else is his will? Jesus is perfect. Absolutely. Is that the only reason he came? So that he could show God what a perfect human being looked like? He
2: wanted to be an example.
0: Yes, yes, and and he is. And so that's right, right? He is the perfect example. If we wish to be the perfect man, uh, and of course, man being general, um, but the perfect mankind is in Jesus. But if that's the only reason he came, why is that a problem for us? It doesn't help us. (laughs) Because, okay, thanks, Jesus. That's a great picture. I still can't do it. So we also see in, in the will of God, not only that he came and lived perfectly, but what was the purpose of that? For what? John 3,
2: 16. Yeah,
0: for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him would have eternal life, so that the perfect life that he lived was not for his sake. It, it is nothing to God to take on flesh and live perfectly. He is perfect. Whatever He takes on is perfect. But the point of it was that He could live perfectly, and then, what does He do with His perfect, righteous life? Yeah. So, so there's two things that happen, and we, and lots of times we forget the first one. So we know He died for our sins, but, but how did that happen? What, what was? How did Jesus atone for our sins? He became denied like, his um yeah he became
2: man so he like kind of turned off. So what am I trying to say? Again? He didn't deny that he was God, but what am I trying to say? <laughs> that his
0: that it was necessary for him to be man, right, oh, to yeah, die.
2: So he he didn't want to, but he knew if he had you know well he wanted to.
0: right yeah he it was necessary that he became man no you're right you're right it was necessary he became man But um, well, this is this is how we talk right mean as children of God how do children learn from their parents does it does it always sound good no we, we're babbling right we, that, that's what we do we, we you know so don't don't ever worry about that you know we, we God wants us to stumble through these things and and, and work on them Um so, uh, okay, so then, going back to Jesus, he was perfect, he lived a perfect life, and yes, it was necessary he became man, because that was, he had to die, God can't die, right, unless he's the God-man Jesus, right, but there's two things that happened, one is he took on all of our sin, and then God punished him for it, so then why did he live perfectly, Yes! Yes! So then that becomes our gift. You see, the perfect life of Jesus, following the will of the Father, keeping the first testament, now the reason for the second is because of our sin, so it has to be a gift to us, because we can't get it anymore by nature, because we by nature are sinful. So the two things that happen, Jesus takes our sin, But then, living a perfect life, he gives us his righteousness. So, when God looks at you, he doesn't see, well, you were not really following the example of Jesus really well, were you? You, You've been been failing, you've been sinning, and therefore you'll be judged. That's not what sin says. Sin doesn't say, uh, or sorry, faith. Faith doesn't say, uh, well, I I did pretty good at, at following Jesus' example. What does faith say? First it says I'm a sinner. And so, I, so I, I look to Jesus for my forgiveness. And whose righteousness do I have? His! So it's always perfect. So again, the will of God is done by Jesus both to keep the first testament perfectly. With every jot and tittle, the command of God has been fulfilled by man, namely Jesus, Jesus, But then he also took our sin and exchanged with us. So faith grasps forgiveness and also the righteousness of Jesus. It's all in one. So that we are perfectly righteous. We are as righteous as Jesus. So his perfect life then is ours.
1: Would it be fair to say that... uh... That God's will was that His creation bring Him glory through the
0: through Jesus. Uh yes, yeah, yeah. God's will is that He that we bring Him perfect glory through Jesus. Yeah, because that's our faith, right? That's how we're perfected. Yeah. Okay, so so now we have the two things. One is works done without will, uh, and that cannot save. And then Jesus coming and doing the will of God, able to do it perfectly, and then at the end, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. So, the will of God is that He would come, be perfect, and then take our sins on Himself and give us His perfection. So, then, this is the substance, that's the thing itself. All the shadows led up to that. And this is why... What, what else was... Uh, so the 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 point of the bulls and goats wasn't just that they were animals that could be sacrificed. But what was necessary? What was required for those animals? To be perfect. They had to be perfect. And they were innocent. They had not committed the sins. This is ridiculous to say... This, poor, poor lamb chops. You know, you... Yeah, why does he take the brunt? You know, but th- but this is always the shadow. He's showing you it's going to transfer unto something else that is not guilty. Behold, the Lamb of God, perfect innocent, and only he then can bear your sin. Okay, so um, and, and this is the great thing is once you have this understanding of the shadows in the Old Testament, what then as you're reading the Old Testament, I. Uh, how then can you start to to see uh, all the meanings in the Old Testament? What's going to fill those out for you? What's going to show you their proper end? When you're reading the Old Testament, what? They're all pointing to Jesus. Yeah! So once you know they're all pointing to Jesus, you start to, oh, okay, he is the key. So don't be afraid to read the Old Testament. And yes, that means even the genealogies. (laughs) Those really long, long lists. Okay, um, so now we have uh, the the, the shadow of the thing fulfilled by the substance. Jesus comes, the will of God. All right, now, verse 11. And every priest stands, ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, so uh, Jesus, again, going back to uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Um, Luther, Luther makes a, a, a funny point, but it's, it's one worth repeating. Um, does God ever preach a different sermon than the Bible? So this is Luther's point. If God is content at repeating himself for all of eternity, shouldn't we be content with rereading the things of God? Uh, the, the reason I bring this up is this is one of the main points of Hebrews is he's saying, Do not grow tired of hearing the things of God. They will The sermon of God is never without application. And the moment we grow tired of hearing it is the moment that we start treading Christ under our feet. Um, the Bible is not boring, uh, and neither is church. Uh, yes, the pastor. And, and, well, what does this mean about the pastor's sermons? If God is content at repeating himself. <laughs> it's okay to be bored, okay? sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. And. Uh, And is the pastor ever going to say anything different? Not a true pastor. That's a good answer. Yeah, not a true pastor. He's always going to say the same stuff all the time. So maybe you wonder to yourself, why is it that every time I come here, a pastor keeps saying the same things? Well, what do you need? The same things. You need Jesus over and over and over and over again.
1: I <laughs> so, Thanks, I, I appreciate the <laughs> I point the no, point. it. No, if you
2: preach law and gospel and it has the same ending idea, which is the right thing, but it's amazing how you can get that same thing from
1: the whole Bible all the time.
0: Right, yeah, and it's true. I, I, because here's the thing even though something is simple, that doesn't make it shallow. Right? So, so we, may, we may be able to say the entire faith in like 30 seconds in the Apostles' Creed. And yet, how many books have been written on just one of those statements? So the depth of those things, that's the point. Not that we don't hear them and understand them, and even a child can repeat them. That's true. But the depth of them is still there, and, and I, that's what you're expressing. It's true. We do, the depth goes forever, right? I mean, who can fathom how deep the love of God is? And yet we can say it simply, Jesus died for you. But me saying that one statement, the time it takes to unpack it takes forever, right? It's an eternity of of love. Yeah? Well, you know, the
2: Bible is not just one verse. Uh, There are 66 books and many pages and tons and tons of verses. And they all illustrate some point in our life. And our lives seem simple, but yet there are so many things that are variable. And God's simple word, repeated many times in different situations, shows us if we read the Bible over and over and over again, we've been doing it. But please, everybody, I assume everybody here has been doing it, but more people need to. Read the Bible over and over and over again because God always has something new, some little nuance. And that's why it's important to be in the word because our lives are really if you think about it if we're talking <clears throat> to jesus as his brother consider how vast is the universe in the beginning was the word and the word was christ well that means that everything that's in the universe comes from god that's right simple word but yet he is everything so therefore in order to become and get how do i say it, to, to become an, and to become a constant god we have to be ready because, you know, when we get to heaven, things won't
0: be difficult. You know, in the end, people will notice. Right now, we see from the last template. That's right. That's right. And, it, and, and the difficulty is not God. Uh, and and why, what is the other simple reason why you have to keep repeating something? To learn it. Well, that's true. Yeah, you, to learn it. But why else? Why do you have to keep on telling your children things? So
2: you can tell a truth.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. And because they are not listening. (laughs) And that then, too, it should remind us that we have to hear these things over and over because we are hard-headed and hard-hearted, and it takes God breaking our hearts and heads over and over and over again so that we can be saved. Uh, again, the apostles could have saved themselves much despair if they would have went immediately to Jesus on the boat and, <laughs> and asked him right away. But no, they waited until they were almost dead. And then they're like, oh, maybe Jesus can help. <laughs> okay, so uh, going back to this. Um, the repetition here is that Jesus is the high priest. The one high priest who offers what? What is his offering? For himself. himself. So that's the key that he offers himself for our sins. And now he's at the right hand of God. What is he doing there? What is he doing? What does Jesus do at the right hand of God? Yeah, he, every, forever is our mediator. He uses his death as his holy bargaining chip with his father in heaven. And he says, Lord, I've paid for that one. Lord, I've paid for that one. And he prays for us continually. And he knows our hearts and minds. He knows how to bring our, uh, our petitions before the Father. So he's at the right hand of God now. Okay, verse 13. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Oh, right. And so, when is that? Verse 13. When will his enemies finally be made his footstool? Yeah, well, the resurrection, right, of all, right? That then is the day every knee will bow, everyone will recognize what we, by faith, recognize now. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, so he said this first, I will put my laws in their hearts. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sins. Okay, so there's two things. One, he's putting his law into our heart. We talked about that already. The wi- we want to do God's will now. That's what faith does. It keeps the first commandment by a gift. We recognize God as God. And we have the righteousness of Jesus. But also that our sins are no more. So both of those things then are part of uh, what, we, what we have now in Jesus. Uh, this is the better writing. Uh, go ahead. But can we ever really know God's will? Uh, I
2: mean, we can read the Bible and read the Bible, but... His will is more,
0: than, I think, than we can know. Uh, yes, in the sense that um, his ways are higher than our ways um, and his thoughts than our thoughts. So, so there, there is much truth to that. Um, but there are two, uh, well, let's put it this way. What part of God's will do we know? Yeah, it's what he tells us. Yeah so you out. Yes, well, this is the problem, right? So God has a revealed will, the things we see here. This is His revealed will. but He also has a will that we cannot always see. Now to be fair, His revealed will tells us that all other parts of His will are shaped by this. They're shaped by Jesus. Um, but what part of God's will don't we see? <laughs> well na- let's let's say let me put it this way what is something that is in God's hidden will that we should not try to find out because we will not find it
1: it's in his hidden will you said
0: it's hidden right there, there are some things we cannot pry into what, is, what, are, what are some of those things when well, he's going to come again that's a great one right he tells us you're not going to know yeah, that's a great one. What? What else? He doesn't tell us not to look into it. Oh well, <laughs> <So> I. we <laughs> are
1: supposed to know those sides.
0: Well, well, so there's again. These are the two sides, right? So let me. Maybe it'd be better if I if I look here at uh, at Romans. Um, so there's a part of God's will that we simply don't know. Um,
1: it is 11. it is it eleven
0: or ten? Wait, I'm trying to think when Paul says, of the Jews is yeah. 11, yeah, but when he says, uh, who are you, a man, to talk back to God? Ten. That's 10. Okay. I knew I was on the right track here.
1: Or, or no, that's nine, isn't it, on election? Yeah. Nine. Yeah, it's nine of
0: election. Okay. About two thirds. You don't know the verse, Pastor. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Pastor Barth would have known. I I give me time. Okay, here we go. Verse 20. Uh, So just to give context, so this is chapter 9. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will will, Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What this is saying is, There are things we don't know and should not know. We don't know uh, how many will be saved. Or uh, we don't know why some and not others. And we are not given to know. So there are things that we're not to pry into. Uh, And if we do, we will find ourselves in perilous ground because God does not desire us to know it. Um, However, there are things that we should go into. And that is the revealed will of God. For God wants us to know of our salvation uh, and also to know how to live a holy life. And those things he has revealed to us. Um, and let me see. I'm going I'm to say this now, but now I'm, now I'm on edge because Judy. Uh, so this is uh, 2 Timothy 3. And I don't know the verse. But I know it's there. Um, verse 16. This is what scripture is for, and this is what we can know. And and God again, if you want to know what part of God's will He wants you to know, what should you consult? That's right. Ask him about it. This is what he says: um, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And there it is. Um, and oh, and just above that, in verse fifteen. Uh, You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So going to the will of God, this is His will in the Scriptures. And He wishes to show us this. But there are things which we do not know, which are in His providence. Why do some people get sick? Why doesn't God tell us when we will die? There's lots of things that we cannot know. And we're not given to know. So God's revealed will is very clear and in his scriptures. But again, it does form the rest of how we see God. Because the things that he chooses not to reveal to us are still the same God. The one who loves us and gave his son for us is the one who controls all things. And even when he does not tell us, we know that all things work for our good. And he does say that. He works all things for our good. Um, so again, there's a hidden and a revealed will of God. This is in his revealed will. Um, so that's a good question, Judy. And again, that topic is, you know, a million miles long and deep. Uh, you know, so we can't dig much more today. But I hope that answers some of it. So,
2: yeah. Wasn't this how everything got started in the first place? Adam and Eve
0: no, yeah, that's great. Yeah, what did they want to do? They wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. And instead of uh, asking God to reveal it to them, what did they do? No. They took it for themselves, right? This is the, Yeah, that's it. This is what sin does. It tries to pry apart the mind of God. Um. But He is God and we are not. And he knows things we do not.
1: I heard yesterday uh, this question posed. Why did God <coughs> martyr his own brother James? He had to save Peter. allow Peter to get out of prison.
0: Because he loved them. And that is all. <laughs> <That's a laughs> Again, and this is the... But, but notice too how much it spares us from... Because, again, God in his goodness is doing these things. And it is only when we start to presume that we are better in our goodness than God that we start to have a problem with this. Again, that's why Paul goes to, should the pot tell the potter, why have you made me like this? I mean, sometimes you don't think of these images, but it's pretty hilarious. Right? I mean... I think if, you know. Does do any of you work with stuff like art or anything like that? Could you, ima- could you imagine your picture being like, "Hey, I did not like that." You're like, "Hey, I, I'm the creator. You're not you." And then of course, if it kept talking, you know, and rebelling, you'd just be okay. Fine. You you want to see what you're really worth here? Fire, right? <laughs> so again, th- this is something that uh, we don't like because our sin rebels against it. God is God, and we are not. His will is higher and better and holier. Um, and that will always be a problem for us until we're dead. <laughs> so, okay. Um, going back to this. Uh, verse 19. So now we know the will of God. Oh, and again, we, we learn something of the Holy Spirit in verse 15. Where does he put God's word? In us, specifically where? In our hearts. This is a great thing about God's word. And we cannot forget it. The Holy Spirit writes it in our hearts. Your faith is living and active. It is a foolish thing to think that, you know, faith is this dead thing. Yeah, yeah, we go to church, blah, blah. Our entire being has changed. Everything you know and love has changed. Because you now have the mind of Christ. Christ. And that's why Paul can say things like, let us take all things captive to the mind of Christ. Every thought, every action. God's word is eminently applicable. It applies in every area, in every place. Because it's on your heart. And it's who you are. Alright, so, this then is the New Testament. It's inscribed on hearts and not on stone. That's what Paul will say. And now let's move to verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Okay, um, where does He talk about this way before? He says a new and living way has been opened. When did He talk about this way last in the in the? Um, in Hebrews.
2: I'll
0: give you a hint. It's chapter nine, verse eight. <laughs> the Holy Spirit indicating this that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. Okay, remember then, all this is being tied up in this. The veil is what? What is the veil based on this, these verses? It is His, it's not just Christ, His flesh. We go through His flesh. That is the only way to what? To the Father. Now, of course, we say this in a million ways and maybe we haven't talked about it this way before, but what does Jesus say of himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. We we know that. But here, it's getting specific. The flesh of Jesus is what we need because that's what bears our sin and that's also what gives us its righteousness and it's through that flesh that we gain access to the Father. Without it, we cannot appear before God. Okay, so verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Why is our heart true now? Yeah, well, we, we talked about what does the Holy Spirit do to us? Yeah, right, our heart is true. The Holy Spirit has inscribed the law into our hearts, namely that we love God now because Jesus gives it to us as a gift. And we also have assurance in faith. So, so what is the nature of faith? What is it like? It's a gift, Yes. But what does it act like? What does it look like? It looks it like is a, a little crazy. child that believes in his father. Yeah, it looks like little kids, right? Little ones know this. Again, it's, it's better than us because uh, uh, when you get older, you get all cynical, right? And jaded, no one, uh, don't trust anyone, which, again, there's some truth to that. Um, But we can trust our Father, our Heavenly Father. And so faith is the assurance. It's truly having full confidence and boldness. I mean, look at the way he's talking here. In verse 19, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. To be bold in doing that? Now, how do you do that? What, What does that look like in your everyday life? To enter the holiest. What is that?
2: Would that be to speak of God's word, even when you know that the people you're speaking to don't believe it?
0: Well, okay, so that's a different kind of boldness, but I think that's true. But that's after we leave the holiest. So we bring that with us. But this is us going to the holiest. What? What does it look like? Coming to church. Oh, that's yes. That's part of it. Is coming to coming to receive to appear before God in all of His holiness, namely, uh, that we would hear the Word of God applied to us. That's part of it. Taking the Lord's Supper. Uh, taking the Lord's Supper, yeah, we appear before the throne of God boldly. We would actually eat and drink Jesus. Yes? Okay. Did, you what? Casting
2: aside your
0: doubts. And yes? Yes? And I, it's 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 simpler too. It's prayer as well. We appear before God. We go and ask Him. We ask Him. Our access to God is that we are... That's what faith does. It keeps on talking. It keeps on appearing before God. Now, of course, those things are right too. To to come to the divine service, you appear before God and you can actually go and receive His gifts without dying. And and that's part of it as well. So all of that is wrapped up in this. Uh, Faith, then, is true worship of God because it holds on to Him. It, It dwells before Him in the flesh of Jesus, through the flesh of Jesus. Yeah. It's not oh. oh, you were you, I'm sorry
2: I was just thinking <laughs> you know, it looks like dependency when you were asking what does it look like Yeah If a child depends on his parents for everything we depend on Jesus for everything Yeah, whether, yeah Whether we ask for it in prayer or not we should Jesus still knows what
0: we need That's right That's right But But we can be confident when we approach our Heavenly Father We can go to him with all things Yeah
1: and, and this assurance is is in the wake of reasons to fear um, yeah. and, as sinners. And again, this this verse 22 is important to us in our liturgy because let, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins. It starts out in exactly the same way mm-hmm. and leaning upon the same confidence that we can confess our sins unto him. It, it always strikes me in the psalm uh, as puzzling at first, but I mean, that's so. Um, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. You know, the, the, uh, the, the fact that we fear God because He's forgiveness means that we as sinners can fearfully come because there is reason in us that He should reject us, but in the assurance of faith we can come in that fear of God because of our sins and, and as children receive the washing in our baptism and in the forgiveness of sins. But what's the alternative if God were not forgiving? he would not be feared, but hated that's right. and rejected. And that's how his enemies treat him. So right. this, this exhortation to have assurance, we should understand it, is that there's also reason for us to fear and that we need something to come into his presence without that fear, namely Jesus Christ.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and, and that's this whole context. All of these things, the blood of bulls, but now the blood of Christ is necessary for us to appear before God. Um, We'll finish this little section, Uh, verse 23. Um, Oh, and and I'm sorry, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, so we have a good conscience now. Uh, An evil conscience is one that continually condemns you. Um, But now we have a good conscience, uh, one that does not condemn us anymore, but knows it's innocent in Jesus. And our bodies washed with pure water course with baptism um, verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful okay now again the, the nature of our confession is that it is a hope and not one that's not coming but just like, um, let's see, what what is a hope you know is going to happen, but you just had to wait for it? Maybe, maybe uh, going back to children, uh, the they, they know. The
1: <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: <It's> never gonna <laughs> Yeah. <a> great <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 maybe um, the the coming of Christmas, right? Uh, so we know it's going to happen. It's coming soon. uh we know what's going to happen it's coming soon december 25th will arrive barring jesus coming back again and yet you know there's a lot of anticipation um so again this is knowing something's going to happen and yet it's a hope because it's not here yet we know the resurrection is going to happen but right now it's a hope not not in the same way we hope for the lions to win it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but in the way that we, we, we hope and look forward to uh, the coming of spring. Right? It's going to happen. Uh, and we're just waiting. Right? Um, and it's a promise by one who is faithful. Okay, uh, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And this then is one of the keys for us in our time uh, and I, I'll end with it now, but we'll, we'll pick back up on it because it's, it's the key for us today. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We cannot stop meeting together. Uh, the internet does not work. We must meet We must assemble. We must have one another. Um, And not because I said so. But it says this in the Bible. And you notice that this is echoed when Jesus says, where two or three are sitting in separate houses uh, looking at one another. (laughs) It's not what he said. And we can only, and, and again, this is not a judgment in the sense that, well, you know, we do, we do things all the time as sinners when we're trying to figure something out. Uh, that doesn't make them right. It just makes us sinners. Um, but as we are tested and tried in these things, we want certainty. And the certainty is when we are gathered together because Jesus says so. So, um, so we're going to explore this a little more next time. Of what it means. We know the word of God. We know, you know, but, but here it, it's not disembodied. It is with us. Gathered in one place. And receiving these gifts. And all so that we can exhort one another as the day approaches. Um, so we'll, we'll pick up on this next time. Uh, I think it's, again, you know, a huge discussion for our day and worthy of our time. Uh, so I don't want to short-circuit it. But, um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's end with prayer. And any other uh, questions or concerns before we close? Okay, we'll, we'll uh, keep, keep this in your mind for next time and bring your questions with you and we'll address them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to hold fast your word. As you have promised us, we have come to you with confidence because of your son, Jesus. We come through his flesh, which is sacrificed for us. And by our true hearts, we come to you asking for your help and aid, especially in our time of need. Make us strong in faith that we might always be joyful in Jesus. Amen.